Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Good morning, good morning, good morning. I think that's from something, but I'm not really certain. Um, but anyways, yeah, good morning. Welcome to Screen Speak. It is the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson. Yes, that's me. Uh, and this is my podcast. And I really, really do sincerely appreciate each of you coming by here and giving it a listen. If you have not done so on this glorious day, please go ahead and follow and or download episodes of ScreenSpeak on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you decide to listen to podcasts just anywhere you're listening to it at, uh, when you pull up ScreenSpeak, hit the follow button so that you don't miss out on episode notifications and download episodes because it helps support the growth of the podcast. So please go ahead and do that. There is also an Instagram for the podcast as well. You just search at ScreenSpeak Podcast and you hit the follow button on there. Again, pretty simple. I post some movie-related content on there from time to time, so if you're interested in movies, which I'm presuming you are because that's likely why you're here listening to this, uh, then you'll probably enjoy the content that gets posted on there. So please, go ahead and do one or all of those things, and uh, yeah, I will I will be a happy camper, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't really use that expression that much, happy camper, but... Um, in the context of this introduction, I will be the happiest of campers if you do what I just said. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the, the intro is now spiraled. Okay. So how is everybody doing on this fine morning, this fine November the 12th, 2021 morning? Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're, you're, you're gearing up for a good weekend or you're, I mean, assuming that you have a weekend ahead of you, I don't know. People do work on Saturdays and Sundays, you know. It's not always just those 9 to 5 people. So, um, this one goes out to you, too. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I was trying to be, like, one of those uh, one of those people that's, like, doing a concert on a stage. And they're like, this is for you people up there in the, in the stands and the rafters. And, yeah, I'm trying to make an obscure concert metaphor to talking about people that are working on the weekend. So... I don't know. In fact, maybe a better a better reference would be that Loverboy song. Uh, Everybody's working for the weekend. You know, just picture Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze shirtless doing that dance. I, I don't know. Some people might even know what I'm talking about with that. But, anywho... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm recording this actually, uh, in the morning, which is not something that I typically do to be perfectly honest with you. Um, actually you don't mind here if I take a quick sip of my coffee, do you? Yeah, you don't mind. All right. Uh, deal with some silence for a moment. Okay. Mm. It's pretty good coffee too. Uh, it's a French roast. I can tell you that. And there is an almond creamer that I put in here. I, I don't know if that really helps, but it, it tastes pretty good. Um, and I think I'm I think I'm addicted to coffee. Uh, I have it. I have it most every morning. I realize uh, usually just the one cup. I I don't really want to do much more than that because I, I get kind of I get a little bit tweaky if I get too much caffeine. But but sometimes like you need a little tweak if if that makes sense. Like it just helps you get that extra drive to. You know, just just crush it. Just do a lot of work and just you know feel good about it. You know, you might be, you might be a bit more efficient. But again, I caution people on the having too much caffeine because if you get a little too tweaky, it can make your focus uh, a bit off. Because then I don't know. At least for myself, I find if I'm very 
hyper and caffeinated, I tend to be jumping around a lot. So that's not really always uh, conducive, especially if you're trying to get some um, some quality quality things done. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm recording this in the morning uh, because to tell you the truth, I, I had I had a uh, yeah I had the day off uh, yesterday and. You know, Veterans Day, that's what it would have been. Uh, shout out to the veterans, by the way. And, and I don't actually mean that like in any joking manner at all. I mean, just so, sincerely, shout out to, to veterans of the United States because, I, I mean, seriously, we're indebted to you and you are all amazing at what you do for us every day, um, especially the work that you don't always get credited with. So sincerely, sincerely, uh, happy Veterans Day to any of the veterans that are listening. But that said, yeah, I had yesterday off and, you know, I was, I'm trying to think what I did yesterday. Cause I, I, I did actually a lot of productive things. I, I got some wedding planning, uh, accomplished, which, Hey, Hey, that's right. I'm getting married. Woo. So sorry to all the, the <laughs> I'm even laughing at this joke in my head before it comes out, but I was about to like make some like bachelor joke and be like, I'm sorry, ladies that you can't, you can't be with me because I'm getting hitched, uh, within the next year. Uh, but there there really isn't like a bunch of ladies that I was batting away. That's, that's not a thing. And yeah, my fiance is probably like gravely concerned by me even joking about that. But, uh, no, I was doing, yeah, I was doing some wedding planning yesterday and I, I'm, I'm very happy about the progress that's getting made on that. Um, not that this has anything to do with the movie I'm going to be talking about today, but you know, Hey, I like to, I like to share a little bit of actual personal life updates on this. It's not just all about the movies. I say it in the intro, it's about movies, life, and so much more. So you see what I did there? It all works out. Um, but yeah, so, so that's that between the wedding planning and some of the other things I was doing yesterday, uh, I was choosing to be productive, I guess. And I don't know, I guess I kind of hit the point where I was like, well, I, I have the time now, I could record the episode for today, but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of comfy right now, I, I, you know, I'm not, I, I did a lot, I did a lot yesterday, so I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll try a morning episode, why not, you know, people get up early, it'll be an excuse for me to wake up earlier in the day, uh, so, you know, what the hey, uh, what the hey, or what the heck, is that, yeah, you know, just what the heck, uh, I'll give it a whirl. So that's why I'm here. I'm here with my coffee and we're going to talk all, <clears throat> it always seems, so, sorry, it seems funny when, when I say that we're going to talk there, there isn't really a we in this instance. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to you, of course, the listener, but it's not like you and me are sitting in a room right now, unless I do have a guest. So, I mean, hopefully that makes sense, but I'm here. I'm here this morning to talk about a small movie. I, I would say that this is definitely a small movie. Uh, it is called On the Rocks. Uh, and this came out in September 22nd of, of 2020. So this is actually a fairly recent release. Uh, but it stars Bill Murray and... <clears throat> sorry, it stars Bill Murray and Rashida Jones as a father and daughter uh, duo. And it's telling the story of a young mother who is reconnecting with her... Uh, what you would say is her larger than life, uh, playboy father, uh, who's played by Bill Murray. I believe in the movie, he is a retired, uh, I think I'm saying this right. Galleryist, I guess he, he is someone that was, a uh, he ran art, art galleries in New York city and he was quite successful at it. Uh, but he has a pretty flamboyant, uh, just big personality. I mean, Bill Murray in a way is arguably playing parts of 
the character as he himself likely is in real life because the man is he exudes charm but anyways <clears throat> the the <clears throat> oh my gosh hang on my my throat is like breaking up here for a second i gotta do an obnoxious cough hang on <coughs> uh, maybe this is what i get for recording in the morning I, i'll drink more coffee maybe that helps Mm. Okay, I think that's the ticket. So, anyways, on the rocks, it's telling the story of a young mother. She's reconnecting with Bill Murray, her larger-than-life playboy father, and they are going on an adventure in a <clears throat> in New York. And it's a it's a comedy drama uh, dramedy, I would call it. So, comedy and drama about aging and, and marriage. And the tenacious bonds between parents and and grown children, and let me let me read this part as well. So, <clears throat> Rashida Jones, uh, she is the young mother. She is an author, and she has two kids, uh, and she has a husband that's played by Marlon Wayans. Uh, but she's becoming suspicious that <clears throat> through all his the husband's career ambitions and drive that he may be fooling around on her because he's acting fairly distant from her. You know, he has some pretty co-workers that are around him that he seems awfully friendly with. Um, and his communication skills, honestly, are not that great um, from what we can tell on the marriage. And so, therefore, um, she, uh, she, the young mother, I, her name is Laura. I don't know why I keep referring to her as the young mother. But Laura becomes suspicious that her husband may be having an affair with a co-worker, and in turn, she turns that speculation to her, uh, I like this word in, in this synopsis here, her caddish bon vivient? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but we'll just say she turns that speculation over to Bill Murray, and he, uh, with some strange degree of glee, is all too happy to help her figure out if, in fact, the husband is cheating on her, and and that's really essentially the premise and setup for the movie. Um, but this is a smaller movie, I'd say for sure. It's <clears throat> it's not a very oh my gosh, I got to do another cough. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, people. I'll do it away from the mic, okay? <coughs> Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Maybe, maybe water. That's what's needed. Anyway, so it's a smaller movie. It's it's written and directed by Sofia Coppola. So this movie, in in a way, is a is a reunion between her and Bill Murray, who had previously worked together on Lost in Translation. And I, I just realized as well that Lost in Translation was actually the very first episode of ScreenSpeak. That's the very first movie I decided to talk about. So we're almost on, I think this makes episode number 28. So <clears throat> hard to believe that it's, it's we, we're already on number 28. That, not that that's a milestone, but um, yeah, it's, I, 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 I'm just saying I'm happy to be talking about this director again on the podcast. That's all I was trying to get at. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a nice, this is a nice movie. Um, it's, it's not a very long movie, so it's a pretty brisk watch. It's 96 minutes long. So, you know, it's about a little over hour and a half. I think that amounts to about one hour and 36 minutes. I think if my math is correct, it probably isn't. Um, <clears throat> but it's a, it's a pretty easy movie to get through. I found, um, it does have some some dramatic tones to it, and there are some dramatic moments in it for sure, but I definitely found the tone overall uh, to be a little bit on the lighter side. Um, 
And if I'm comparing it to Lost in Translation, that movie definitely has some more serious tones to it. Even though there were some comedic elements to that movie, it was more of a drama, I think. And this one's a bit more of comedy and drama, um, with just a slight hint of drama taking over a bit more than the comedy side. But the point is, is that <clears throat> this movie is... Uh, I found it charming. I found it charming. It was it was funny. It's it's elegant, and, and ultimately, I think it's a bittersweet movie, especially towards the third the the third act and the ending of this movie, which it took me it took me a little bit of time to think about like what the ending actually meant because to to myself for a moment it felt a little abrupt, and I was like, oh, like that's that's it, like that's kind of the the ending, but. I gave it some more thought, and uh, toward towards the end of the podcast, if I if I remember, uh, I will share I will share some of those thoughts on the ending and put up like a I'll say spoiler so that I I don't ruin it because since this is a smaller movie and <clears throat> I, I I highly doubt that this is a movie that a lot of people have seen thus far. Uh, I I think it's actually I think it's well worth your time, uh, especially if you're a fan of Bill Murray. And you like Rashida Jones, you know, you maybe have seen her in like Parks and Rec or The Office uh, or, you know, any of the other movies that she's that she's done. She has done some. Um, but yeah, th- this is a <clears throat> there's a lot of interesting uh, themes at play that are in this movie. I- I'd say for one, one of the one of the bigger ones on this is the subject of living under a shadow or, or living in the living in, within the shadow of somebody. Um in this instance, the reason I bring it up is because if you know anything about the writer and director, uh, Sofia Coppola, she is the daughter of the legendary, uh, filmmaker Francis Ford Coppola, who anybody that really knows much of much of anything about film will know that this man, you know, he, he made, I'm going to pull up his resume right now. I mean, I know for a fact, you know, that he made the Godfather films, uh, he made Apocalypse Now, uh, he made... The Outsiders. Let's let's take a look at this guy's filmography. Uh, you know, we got Dracula. Hang, I'm going to read a couple of these. Yeah, so look at this. We got The Outsiders. We got Rumblefish, The Rainmaker, um, The Conversation for God's Sakes with Gene Hackman. Uh, let me let me just name a couple more too. I, uh, Patton. Gosh, he really did he make Patton? I got to look this up here. I don't think I knew this. Let me look at. No. Okay. Okay. He. Okay. So Francis Ford Coppola did not direct Patton, but he helped come up with the story. Because I was gonna say, I'm like, I feel like I would have known. I feel like I would have known that. But, uh, but yeah. So he's he's been involved with some legendary, legendary movies in Hollywood, and so I have no doubt that Sofia Coppola, especially when she whenever at point in her life decided to become a filmmaker i have a feeling that it would be excruciatingly hard to be taken to be taken as your own person and not have the comparison be drawn to your father um especially when you're doing the same trade you're you're doing the same craft and profession uh i can only imagine there would be times where it's just like hey like you know you're sophia right like your dad's francis right he, like he did the godfather part two um can you like have him like call me or blah 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 Um, and maybe that doesn't happen a lot, but I just, I think, I think that idea is, it's fascinating and it's played out well in this movie of living under the shadow of somebody. Um, because, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm tying this to the movie here. It's, it's early. The coffee's kicking in. Bear with me. Um, 
<clears throat> because Laura in the movie, it, it's it's interesting when she does get connected with her father. There's several instances in the movie where it's like no matter where they go he seems to be able to either know somebody that's in the room or he strikes up a conversation with people. He's, he's very impulsive, but he has a lot of energy. Um, <clears throat> a lot of personality is very likable, but in a way that be, that can become, uh, it, it's, it's tough for, it's tough for Laura. It's tough for the character, Laura, because you know, she's trying to figure out her own voice, uh, as an author throughout the movie. She has, she has writer's block off and on. And, you know, in a way, and I'll, I'll get to this point later, in a way, you know, she, she turns to her father for help, I think, just instinctually from a parental level. You hope that your your mother or your father would get, be able to give you some guidance and help. But it's a bit tricky when, when your father is a larger-than-life character because they themselves have an ego the size of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, they have a lot of presence about them, so they take up a lot of the attention in the room. And so for someone that's also trying to... Um, get their own share and garner their own share of attention and whatnot, uh, that can be really tough. And, you know, this isn't something I have any experience with. I, I'm i not related to anybody famous that I know of anyway. At least I I don't think I am. Maybe maybe I got some distant cousin uh, somewhere. I'm, I'm not really sure. Oh, actually, <clears throat> before I finish up the points on this uh, living under a shadow subject... I will share uh, a small a small story that is somewhat related, I think, to what I'm talking about. I haven't thought about this in a long time. So years and years ago, I had worked at a I won't I won't name the place, but I had worked at a place that was selling uh, movies and and video games and you know a handful of different items like that. But I was a you know just a whatever you call it a sales associate. We'll call it that. And I was working at this place and there was a guy that had come in uh, off the street and he was, <clears throat> he, he decided to sell uh, like some Blu-rays and handful of other things because this is a place that would also uh, take people's used items and, you know, resell it, that sort of thing. And anyhow, so I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking over his stuff that he brought in and, you know, assessing the value of it and whatnot and part of what we had to do is we have to identify the the person that's selling the items to make sure that the items that they're selling are legally theirs. So I'm like, Hey, you know, can I see your ID? And you know, he's like, okay, sure. And I'm like, I'm looking at it. <clears throat> and the guy, I noticed while I'm looking at his ID, he's giving me a really weird look. Like he just keeps like kind of having like a smirk and looking. And I was like, why, why is he, why is he doing this? I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just trying to focus on my job. And then finally he, I guess addressed it because he must have felt that I was like, what the hell? Um, but he's just like, you notice anything? Like he said it, he said it very like, hey, hey, hey man, like, I don't know, very, very, he's trying to be cool, I guess. But he, but he says, you notice anything about my, about my license? And I was like, um, no, Mike, <laughs> not really. And then I, he's just like, check out the last name. And it was Livingston. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like so. And and he said, he's just like, you you ever seen Office Space? And I was like, yeah, like, you know, Office Space, great, great movie, man, great comedy. He's just like, well, uh, my cousin's Ron Livingston. And I was like, oh, like the, the guy that plays Peter, the main character of the movie. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, we're related. It's, uh, 
Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Like that, like that's literally like how he was being to me, and I just remember instinctually, like in my head, I was just like, uh, okay, like what do you, what do you hope this gets you? Do you, are you thinking I'm going to give you more money for your things because you're distantly related to a guy in the movie Office Space? <laughs> uh, do you want a cookie? Like what do, what do you want? It was just it was just very bizarre because I never like I've met like a couple of famous people uh, before, but I'd never really met someone that was so gleefully happy to be related to somebody of notoriety. And it almost made me like want to ask him like, well, like, you know, have you, have you done something or is that like your thing? Like you just go around and tell people that you're related to somebody that has somewhat, uh, that has some fame attached to them. It's just very strange. Uh, but I just remember like the guy was a, he was being pretty dorky. So yeah, Ron Livingston's cousin, if you're listening to this, I highly doubt that you are. Um, I ho- hope you're well, but, uh, yeah, you came off as a kind of an arrogant, like douchey dork. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, back to the, back to the story of the movie. Um, but yeah, living under a shadow, I, I couldn't help but find there being real life comparisons between Sofia Coppola and her father, Francis Ford Coppola through the character of Laura and her father, Felix. That's, that's Bill Murray. Um, so I find it interesting that art in a lot of ways imitates life that that's what I thought of when I was drawing the connection there, because I've heard from different filmmakers that I, I follow just, you know, in my, in my love of the, of the film industry, you often hear people talk about saying like, write what you know, uh, or, you know, just like, write Yeah. Write your truth or that sort of thing. And I imagine that's what, <clears throat> I imagine that's what uh, Sofia Coppola was doing here in this movie. And it made me wonder like if in some of her other movies, whether it was, you know, whether it was lost in translation uh, or maybe the movie Somewhere, or uh, Marie Antoinette, or uh, what is it, The Bling Ring? I think I think she wrote and directed that. Um, it just makes me wonder how many other filmmakers out there are taking aspects of their own life and and portraying it in a movie, whether it's knowingly, unknowingly, on like a subconscious level, they're doing it. Uh, I just find it very fascinating. But <clears throat> in the context of this movie, I liked how they handled uh, the story with that. Uh, and especially towards the end, I I think there's a lot that the character Laura is able to sort of come to terms with and, and figures out a way actually to get out from under her, her father's shadow. So I'll, I'll talk about that towards the end. Um, so Bill Murray, I got to talk about him. He is, I mean, it's Bill Murray. Uh, the guy has a lot of, excuse me, the guy has a lot of presence to him. I mean, he has a lot of charisma and he is, oh my gosh, I, I got to cough again. This is, this is terrible. This is, this is terrible. Hang on. Ah, <coughs> uh, <coughs> I, <coughs> good Lord. I apologize uh, greatly for that, but it had to be done. So, <coughs> so Bill Murray that's what I was trying to say before my throat almost exploded. He is larger than life. Um, you know, he's in Stripes. He's in Ghostbusters. He is in What About Bob? Um, the guy, the guy, just—I mean, he—he's a—he's a living comedic legend, living living legend, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
but he's he's fantastic to watch in this movie. I I think they have character written for him. Like the character Felix has a couple of things that isn't like exactly like Bill Murray, but I do think that Bill Murray was allowed to very much be himself uh, in this movie. I actually wonder how much was actually written on the page versus improv. Uh, because there are moments that feel very, um, they feel very improv from Murray just because he is so quick-witted and, and uh, impulsive and whatnot. But I, I enjoyed, I, I really enjoyed him in this movie. Um, in particular, I think one of my favorite sequences in the movie is there's a part where <clears throat> he convinces Laura to um, go with him at night on a stakeout to literally follow her husband to uh, a business dinner that he has and to, you know, stalk him basically. And he shows up in this very bright red convertible old Italian sports car. And it's like, it completely sticks out like a sore thumb. Like there's no way that somebody, like if you're tailing somebody, this is not the car that you would want to do it with. Um, but it's a very, it's a very fun sequence. I mean, I could really feel, um, I could feel like Bill Murray was having a lot of fun with the, with that sequence. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And it was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, especially like when he gets pulled over in the movie and just basically BS his way out of a ticket. Uh, I mean, you gotta, you gotta give it to the guy. Not, not everybody would be able to pull that off, but I really, I really enjoyed him in this movie. And I also enjoyed a few of the moments when he does show, uh, his vulnerable side, which I guess Sophia Coppola must just have a, a good connection with him to be able to do that because, because <clears throat> while Murray is not as, he's definitely not as dramatic and, uh, serious as he is in Lost in Translation, but in this movie, he does have to have a few key scenes where he needs to let that charisma guard down. He needs to just put the walls down and just purely, express vulnerability on the screen and there's a few key moments that he does that in and i mean bill bill, bill murray's a good actor he, i mean he really is i don't think he's just a he's not just a comedian or somebody that makes people laugh but when when you when you cast him in the right movie and give him the proper direction and whatnot i mean i really think that there's a few moments where i'm like you know damn like that's that's some good acting so so good on you murray for for being able to do that but he, he's he's great in this movie <coughs> I'm sure at this point in the episode, everybody who's, who's probably listening is like giving this a cough counter. They're like, okay, this guy's voice, it's breaking up. <coughs> Maybe I should do that. You ever seen that, uh, <coughs> you ever seen that family guy? Uh, there's a family guy episode that has this very funny sketch. I encourage you all to look it up when you have a moment. Uh, there's a very funny sketch where <clears throat> it has these British gentlemen that are sitting around a circle and there's a, like a, what do you call it? A fire. There's a fire going, I guess. And I, God, this, so, this shows you how unsophisticated I am. There's a fireplace. Gosh, I couldn't think of it. There's a fireplace going and the three, they look like they're like high class gentlemen. <clears throat> they're sitting in these leather chairs and they have newspapers in front of them, and they're all just taking turns clearing their throats, so they're like, and anyways, they they just like keep going, and they, they go until the point where they're practically screaming through the newspaper, 
Uh, and it's just so funny because they're just taking a little concept of just a, a man clearing their throat and they turn it into a full joke. But anyway, that's kind of what I feel like right now every time I do it. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> so back to On the Rocks. I liked uh, New York, New York City in this movie. If there's one thing you can say about Sofia Coppola and her direction and whatnot, I, I think she has a really good eye for, um, I guess, like landscapes and whatnot. She she shoots, I'm, I'm probably just comparing this to Lost in Translation, I can't help it. It's my favorite movie from, uh, from her. But <clears throat> New York definitely feels like a character in this. Uh, I felt like there's some really good establishing shots of the city. Um, even some of the locations that they go to in the city aren't ones that I typically see all the time with New York. Uh, you know, they avoid, you know, the, what do you call it? Like the most like trendy locations, like the Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty, Times Square, all that stuff. They avoid a lot of that stuff and more focus on, um, I guess I would say the suburban side of New York or people like actually living in the city, going about their daily lives there. Um, the commuting side of it and whatnot. Um, and anyways, I just, I really enjoyed the look of New York in this movie and <clears throat> how in a way it felt like a character, even, even some of the places that, that Felix takes Laura to seem like these back alley sort of, uh, very, very hip and trendy places. Like they go to some pretty cool, uh, some pretty cool restaurants and bars. Uh, and I mentioned that, uh, Bill Murray's character <clears throat> does art dealings and whatnot. So he has, it seems like he has like access to some of the more high society areas of New York. Uh, and, and anyways, I just, I really enjoyed seeing the look of New York in this movie. And so I just, I, I, before I continued, I wanted to plug, I wanted to plug that. So we'll, we'll keep going. <clears throat> so one of the one of the other key central themes I wanted to talk about in this movie, aside from living under a shadow, that sort of thing, is the feelings of unease that you can have in a marriage. Now, grant you, <clears throat> I'm not married yet, but I imagine that even the most seasoned married couples can probably have moments in their marriage where they do feel like they are having uneasy feelings between each other, or they feel like there's some distance growing over, over something. It doesn't always have to be like mistrust over someone cheating on each other. Like it is in this movie. Uh, it could be other things, uh, just not feeling like you can be honest with your partner or just feeling like the intimacy is lacking or whatever, you know, just problems that happen with a marriage. But <clears throat> It was interesting seeing how this movie went about showing a lot of the uneasy feelings that are developing in the marriage between Laura, uh, Rashida Jones, and Dean. That's Marlon Wayans. Um, <clears throat> one thing I thought in particular that was interesting... <coughs> excuse me. One thing in particular that I thought that was interesting was that a lot of the distance that they show, it's not verbally spoken. You know, you can read it on the character's face or you can see it in their mannerisms or their actions towards each other, but a lot of it's unspoken. And I imagine that Sofia Coppola did a lot of that uh, intentionally and it felt authentic in that regard because I do think when, <clears throat> God, gosh dang it, uh, <coughs> stop it, stop it throat, Ah. Uh. The people do not want to hear you continuously clearing your voice. They just want to hear you talk about on the rocks. Dang it. 
Okay. <sighs> just breathe. Just uh, go easy on the voice. Uh, maybe take some vocal training lessons from... I don't, I don't know. Do they offer that? Like how to not consistently like go <clears throat> on your podcast? Um, that would that would be fantastic. Anywho. <laughs> gosh. Okay, so anywho. <clears throat> back to talking about the uneasy feelings in marriage. I... I think there was there was definitely authenticity being shown for that because I think a lot of the times when people are feeling unease unease towards each other, it's not like you just ultimately go into it and just be like, "Hey, why are you being like this? Like, what what's going on there?" It I don't think that works a lot of the time in life. Oftentimes we get busy with our jobs, our families, we have a lot of things on our mind, and it's not that your significant other shouldn't take priority. In fact, I think they should they should take priority in a lot of different regards, but it's not like we always just stop and be like, "Hey, like let's really <clears throat> let's let's really take the time to hash this out," right? You know, sometimes it's it's things that are said without being said. It's it's a it's a look that somebody gives you, or it's a passive aggressive uh, gesture, or something the way they say something, the tone of it, and I feel like they did a lot. They nailed a lot of that stuff, which just really helped to build the feeling of anxiety and uh, and unease, um, in particular for the character of Laura. But it certainly got me thinking about if, you know, if you are in a relationship and whatnot, and you are feeling like you're lacking in communication, or you're feeling distant from your partner, and they're not really, you know, you're not really feeling that spark that you really, you know, first noticed about the person, which is why you presumably fell in love with them. So I have some thoughts on that. Uh, so let's, let's take a pause from on the rocks and let's talk about marriage counseling by me, Jordan Anderson. That is not licensed in any which way, uh, or another. Uh, I, I have no expertise in this, but I'm going to take a moment here and give you some, some life advice and tell you how to live your relationships. And I, I don't know why, why am I talking like about it like that? I I don't know, but hey, you're you're still here, so I think you I think you might care, or maybe maybe you don't. Again, it's the morning. This is this is morning me. This is how I am. My brain is not fully there. You hear that? You hear that in the microphone? That's me patting the back of my head, telling you, telling myself to snap out of it. All right. <clears throat> so here comes the marriage advice. So when it comes to communication in particular, I don't really believe in a lot of nuance with that sort of thing or, you know, being like, well, if I do this, I bet this person will think like this or, you know, they'll, they'll surely notice what I'm talking about. I am a pretty straightforward person. I tend to say what's on my mind, um, within reason. I mean, I know context is a big key for things, but I, I am a very honest person. I would like to say in regard to relationships, especially, uh, because honesty is truly the best policy with your partner. So there's some advice for you right there. Just be bluntly honest. And I do mean, I do mean bluntly honest. I just don't play games. If you can feel like something is, is growing between the two of you. It's not like you have to be that guy that's constantly saying like, Hey, like, Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? But at the same time, you don't need to dance around it either. Uh, my rule is I have a rule of two and I would recommend this to anybody that's, that's listening to the, to this point of the podcast. <clears throat> so here's the rule of two. If you get the, the feeling or idea that your partner is, 
upset about something, has something they're not telling you, whatever, whatever, here's what I do. So let's, <clears throat> let's pretend that you, the listener, uh, were married, I guess. It doesn't matter who you are. So I'll say to you once, hey, um, you know, is everything all right? Are you, are you okay? You know, say that, hey, are, hey, are you okay? And if they're like, well, no, like I'm, I'm fine. Now, we all know that that might not always be the case. Some people just say that because they don't want to get into it. So, as a courtesy, I follow it up with a second, okay, well, like, are, are, you're sure? Like, you're sure nothing's wrong, right? And they'll be like, um, yeah, no, like, I'm sure. Like, I'm, I really am good, but thank you for asking, assumingly. After, and then after that point, I shut up. I, I literally won't say anything else. I don't pester. I don't do nothing. I literally just move on. And the reason I'm so stringent and specific on that is because <clears throat> I know what it's like to be the person that's kind of the needy, like, hey, like, are you sure? Like, no, like, you seem upset. Like, mm. you know, some of that insecure behavior. And <clears throat> it's just been my experience that asking that too many times comes across as being insecure. It, it doesn't really show a lot of confidence in yourself. And it's also a bit demeaning to the other person because the other person you know, assume, well, you, you wouldn't know, but I guess like depending on what age you are at in the relationship, I'm going to assume we're talking about adults here because they're an adult and as an adult, they should speak up if they're, if they're being bothered about something. It doesn't make sense to me to constantly pry somebody and expect that that's going to somehow yield a positive result. So I asked two times, you know, once as a sincere general ask, second as a polite follow-up, and then I shut up. And and honestly, that tends to work. And I also, <clears throat> I would also say as, as something to set up as well, if you can in your marriage, is just some, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't want to say ground rules, but sort of an expectation or you're being very forthcoming with what you're trying to 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 get at in the conversation. So for instance, if I need to have a a serious uh conversation with with my fiance, let's say, I will tell them, "Hey, I would like to talk about this," and I will also follow it up with a sentence saying, "And this is why I want to talk about this." And that follow-up sentence might just give some more a specific context to the reason why I'm doing the ask in the first place, but more so in the follow-up sentence, I tend to actually put from a feeling standpoint why I'm asking. Like I am asking this because I am wanting to either resolve something or just show that I care or just show that I am sensing something and I don't want to fix it. I don't want to do any of it, but I just want to understand. So I will be very, very upfront when it comes to the result that I'm trying to get from it. And I find that that transparency in conversation, especially when it is with your significant other, that goes a very long way and it can help it can help uh, get rid of some of the walls and some of the, the ice or whatever you want to call it because you're just choosing to be vulnerable and you're choosing to be present in that moment. You're not on your phone. You're not doing other things. You're just truly in the moment. You have fully expressed why you're asking and what you want the result of it to be and that you're just there for them in that moment. You're just 100% purely there for them 
and and that's it and just be vulnerable like don't be afraid to to let your guard down show show a little bit of emotion and empathy in, in those harder conversations i don't even know if that <clears throat> if some of that stuff made sense or if it tied into the the lacking communication that's kind of what i was trying to tie that into i think it makes sense but we're going to continue now <clears throat> another thing i want to talk about is the sensation of feeling alone, even though you're surrounded by people. Cause that's another thing I thought that this movie actually does very well is it shows the character, Laura, I think part of the reason why she reaches out to her father is that she doesn't really feel like she has people that she can truly talk with. Uh, her life is fairly isolated as a writer. It's a very solitude activity, um, to a certain extent, because she's, you know, sitting in front of a computer a lot of the time, trying to get inspiration, reading different things, but it's very, uh, it's very much a solitude activity from her standpoint. <clears throat> she also has two kids, but they're little kids. They can't really have a, <clears throat> they can't really have a serious conversation with their mother. So there's not really an option to connect there. And then the kids at one point, they get dropped off at like a daycare or their school. And there's this friend there <clears throat> that just constantly talks, 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 but it's mostly almost a hundred percent about herself and never once about Laura. So she just feels like there's, there's no real mutual, uh, friendship there. It's just a purely one-sided thing. This person's just a complete narcissist and just loves to jabber on about themselves. So she can't really connect there. Of course, her husband, Dean, he's always working. He's always gone. So there's a lacking distance there. So she just you know, between raising two kids and trying to be a writer and maintaining her marriage and blah, blah, blah. She doesn't really have a lot of people to connect with. So <clears throat> she connects with her father. But that said, there is something to say about the feeling that can happen when even though you're surrounded by people, you can still feel extremely lonely and, and, and just really feel it in your bones. And I know that that's a feeling that I've related to, um, on a personal level, a couple of different times I've, I've had that instance happen. Um, <clears throat> I know one that it took me a while to, to kind of figure it out, but I admit there was a period when I had first traveled to Brazil when I was seeing my, my fiance and meeting her family for the first time. And I want to be clear, this feeling did not last long. Uh, because my fiance's family is wonderful and <clears throat> and a lot of them are really great people and I enjoy uh, talking with them even though I don't speak Portuguese. Uh, so there's definitely some translation barriers there, but it's a lot of fun and it's a great challenge to have. But that said, when you arrive in a location <clears throat> that's surrounded by a ton of people but no one knows you and everybody's just very preoccupied with their own, you know, their own travels, their own things that they're doing, that's a very lonely feeling. And I guess the reason why I'm bringing it up is that just don't assume that people are, are, are okay all the time. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. We're all busy. We all get busy with a lot of different things in our life, but we can't get so busy that we're forgetting the people that matter, that we are forgetting to just not, even, you know, not even the people that matter, just your, your stranger on the, on the street, even <laughs> I, I can tell you <clears throat> there would be days where if I've been in like in a customer service job and I'm just going through the motions and doing my thing and whatnot, I could be having a fairly lousy day without somebody really knowing it. Like they wouldn't see it because I'm, I'm doing my job. 
Uh, I'm doing what I need to do. Hi, hello, how are you? What can I do for you? I'm doing those things. I'm going through the motions, but inside I would feel very lonely sometimes in those circumstances. And all it would take is just somebody to actually take the time to ask me for a change. Hey, how are you? Like, no, like really, how, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? You know, somebody, somebody that's actually taken an interest in you and they have some they have some sincerity behind it. They're actually being genuine. There is so much of that that I could talk about <clears throat> beyond this movie. And <clears throat> maybe I maybe I will in another episode if it, if it makes sense to. But yeah, just uh, I guess that's another that's another lesson or another lesson sounds sounds a bit pretentious. But there's yeah that's another point I'll I'll say as a takeaway from this episode is that. Maybe the next time you just walk past somebody on the street, maybe take a moment to just say hello, chat with a stranger for a change. Why not? Do it. You might make a new friend. You might learn something. You might improve your social skills. You don't know until you try. Um, so yeah, don't just don't assume that everybody <clears throat> don't assume that everybody is always okay because some people can be really good at hiding it, especially the busy ones. You know, just because you're, just because you're busy, just because you're busy doesn't mean that you don't need somebody to be nice to you for, for a change or to actually notice you for a moment. So it goes both ways. You ask people how they're doing, but then in turn, you want people to ask you how you're doing too, because let's be honest here, it actually does feel good from time to time when you actually get noticed by somebody, especially when it's not warranted. So I I don't know. Why, why did I go on a rant about that? Not really sure, but, <clears throat> but we continue. Um, <clears throat> so I got one more thing that I want to, that I wanted to talk about or two more quick things. Cause I, I do want to try to wrap this up here because I'm recording it in the morning and I have a whole day. I have a whole day ahead of me. So I have other things I need to be doing besides, besides this podcast. So here we go. <clears throat> So another aspect of this movie I thought was interesting is the subject of leaning on your family for support. And I will say this is actually a subject I can relate to very much or or very well is times where you turn to a family member and you know, going into it that you're probably not going to get the type of support that you really want, but deep down you still have like this, uh, instinctual, whether it's a biological thing or it's something beyond that. But for your mother and your father, especially, even if they're far from perfect people and they have their issues and you have had constant fights with them or whatever, whatever, I feel like for them in particular, there's always a small part of you that wants to connect. Like you really want that sincere bond that you had when you were kids or if assuming that you even had that, but <clears throat> There seems to be an instinctual level of love that you have for your mother and your father, despite if they are great parents or not great parents. And I thought this movie explored that concept very interestingly because it, it's it's actually expressed early on by another character in the movie. I think it's I think it's the character's sister that's like, why are you even trying to connect with dad? Like he is a jackass. Like he he cheats on women. He's a pretty terrible person. Uh, he's a narcissist, you know, he, he, we, we don't even know if he cares about you and all these different things. And a lot of them are valid points because Felix, Bill Murray, 
as as entertaining and charming as he is, he is pretty terrible when it comes to women. He it, it seems like he's probably slept with a lot of them. Uh, one of the big areas of <clears throat> of discontent and and uh, resentment is between Laura and Felix because it's it's expressed or not expressed. It's it's stated clearly early on that he had cheated on her mom and you know was probably a fairly absent father because he was very much me 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 narcissistically focused on himself so he's not perfect but there is still love there and there are a couple of of nice scenes between the two of them where even you can tell like it would probably be fairly annoying to be raised by somebody that's like that all the time there is still love between between them and i can tell that you know, he cheated on his mom and he's done all these different things, but you can tell that there's real love for, for the daughter there. And there's some sweet, there's some sweet moments with that. And that is another level of the movie that I thought lended itself to a a high level of authenticity is showing that as imperfect as family can be, and they can drive you crazy. They can sometimes be damaging to you there is sometimes an imperfect but but loving loving bond that that will last through through thick and thin for certain family members certainly not all i think there are some family members that if they do certain things well <laughs> uh they're out of the circle <clears throat> excuse me yeah they're out of the circle i i actually have never never really understood that whole concept where it's just like well they're family you know, you, you gotta love them. You gotta love them. Uh, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case for all of them. Cause I, I can certainly say like, you know, I, I have, I'm sure there's some people like in my family that <clears throat> I may like them. Okay. And I may see them like once in a great, great, great while, but do I really say that I love every single one of them? I don't know. And, and maybe, maybe you do, because love can be different than liking somebody. So maybe that's what I'm trying to say is like, you can love a lot of your family members, but that doesn't mean you have to like them. And that also doesn't mean you have to spend time with them uh, as well. Not that I'm calling out anybody in my family. I, I'm fortunate for the family I have. I do like and love quite a bit of my family. So there, there's no problem there. But <clears throat> it's interesting how the movie explores that. And I think it shows how there are critical times in our lives where we decide to turn towards a family member for support, even though in the back of our mind, we're like, this might not be a good idea, but deep down, I'm still hopeful that there's like a 10% chance that this might actually be a benefit to our relationship and will overall help the both of us. So I thought the movie handled that very smartly. And so, yeah, there you go. Now, The last, the last thing I wanted to talk about on here, and then I'll, I'll wrap this up, is the coming-of-age aspect of this movie. And in particular, what I mean by that is <clears throat> the character of Laura, by the time the third act and the ending of the movie rolls around, <clears throat> this is the spoiler alert. Uh, or actually, you know what? No. No. I decided I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I... I was really tempted to talk about exactly like the ending moment and talk about what it means, but I I can't do that because this is a movie that I encourage you to see. This is a small movie. It's actually, you can actually watch it on, on Apple T or yeah, Apple TV, right? 
Because it is an Apple original film, which I think this is actually the first Apple movie I watched. Um, <clears throat> I was actually able to get the physical copy of it, which I was excited to see that because I didn't even know if they had physical copies of it, but whatever, whatever. I want, I want people to actually see um, this movie. But in regards to coming of age, what I will say this, and this doesn't, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying this, but <clears throat> the movie, I think at the end has a very poignant message about adjusting from one chapter of your life onto another and having the self-awareness to realize that I am now stepping into a, a new healthy chapter of my life. That's what I'll say. And I, I don't think that spoils anything. Um, <clears throat> I think the movie has a sweet, albeit bittersweet message about that of, of showing that there are times in your life that come and you're not always aware of them, but sometimes you are. And I think that's what this movie is trying to say towards its end is that <clears throat> we all occasionally will reach a moment in our lives where we have learned something about ourselves, a, a very critical part of ourselves. And by in turn learning these these critical parts of ourselves when it matters it means that we also have to acknowledge that some things in our life have to change and that certain parts of our lives that we maybe enjoyed before have to be left behind in order to move forward and if you see this movie and you get to the end of it and in particular when they focus on the scene <clears throat> with the watches that's all i'll say i again that's not a spoiler there's an ending scene that, that focuses on watches and just think about that scene and what it means, because I definitely think there is some symbolism going on there and it's subtle, but I think it's smart. And if you're picking up what the story is trying to say ultimately for its ending, I think it's just trying to show that, yeah, again, I think I might be repeating myself here, but there are moments in our lives that happen where hopefully we possess a certain sense of self-awareness enough to know that this is a moment I need to remember so that I can embrace the future. I can embrace what needs to be done, but I can also look back on the past with a certain sense of loving embrace, but also a bit of sadness and knowing that it is time to move on with certain things and not revisit certain elements of our lives, but knowing that by doing that, it's ultimately going to lead towards a better future for ourselves and the people we care about. So if you've seen the movie, you will know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, <clears throat> I wouldn't blame you if that sounds a bit ambiguous, because again, I don't want to spoil it. So that's all I got. <clears throat> oh. That's all I got. The throat clearing is done, but I really, I really do sincerely appreciate everybody for coming by and giving this episode a listen. Um, Thanksgiving is going to be coming up here soon, and I do have a couple of guests lined up for this month, so definitely look forward to that. And with that, I bid you all a happy November the 12th. Go into, the, go into today and your weekend and kick some ass, okay? How about that? Just do that. I don't know if anybody's told you that for a while, but let's do it.
just own it. Let's kick some butt today. So that, yeah, that's for the PG audience that can't handle the ASS word. <laughs> that makes it worse when I spell it out, but okay, whatever. Have a great day, everybody. I will catch you all in the next episode. Take care. <laughs>